Hello you beautiful cycling fans. I hope you have your handbags at the ready because it's handbags at seven paces in the Vuelta España today. Let's dive in and see what all the drama is about. Before we get started, a quick plug to our show sponsor who've been amazing, steadfast and strong with us all the way through this Vuelta. Missingpeace.ie Missing Peace, our sponsorship with them is ending up at the end of the Vuelta, but that doesn't mean you should stop checking them out. They're a cool, small, independent business, and they have that cool, small, independent, hipstery, handcrafted feeling to their produce. I'm loving the chopboard. I finally had the bottle to start using it as an actual chopboard, and it's fit to form. It's easy to clean, looks cool around the kitchen, it's sweet, and I've picked up another couple of uh, the Missing Peace photo frames as well which are brilliant as gifts go and check them out link is in the show notes and they're running a competition if you can tell us what color jersey primus roglic is wearing at the moment you're in a chance to win some missing piece.ie swag let's unpack this one so there is a gentleman's agreement the gentleman's agreement is unwritten if you're not an avid cycling viewer or you don't understand the tradition it might seem a little bit bizarre in the Vuelta España the race leader wears the red jersey and this unwritten tradition would say that if the red jersey wearer goes down in a crash nobody should take advantage of the race leader's misfortune it's a unwritten rule that extends to both amateur racing pro racing one day races uh well one day races not so much because you don't have a race leader uh but Tour de France, Vuelta España, Giro, even one-week races, it doesn't matter. Now, the kind of caveat to this is, and this is why it's a rule that it's it's unwritten, so it's the interpretation of it changes from country to country, team to team, but it's generally understood that if a team is riding at the time that the crash happens, they can continue riding because they were continue they had one course of action already in motion and then the leader went down so they're not taking advantage of the leader they were already planning to do this it was already the wheels were in motion and then the leader went down so they're not taking advantage of them so with that all said at 63 kilometers to go today we have a crash boom down goes lopez down goes roglic down goes half of the Lotto Jumbo team and a bunch of the Astana team. And Tony Martin hasn't recovered. He will not, that sounded very dramatic. Tony Martin hasn't passed away, so you can uh, stop calling Tony Martin's parents. But Tony Martin has abandoned the race due to his injuries from the crash. James Knox looked pretty bust up as well. Uh, okay, so they go down. Massive tangle. Now, interestingly, what I found... Uh, what I found interesting anyway was that movie star, none of their guys were in the crash. They were all on the front. So were all the movie star riders, none of them been in the crash and all near the front? Does that go to their motivation and show what their game plan was? I think it is instructive. As the crash, uh, the carnage is sort of unfolding. People are picking bodies off bikes and bikes off bodies and unearthing the mess of carbon and skin. Uh, team movie star hit the front of what's left of the peloton and they ride they put it in the gutter in the crosswind and they ride and they ride and they ride now they've come in for a lot a lot of stick for this like an awful lot of stick for this 
like we had Owen Duell after the race and Owen Duell said the question is were they riding before if no this is shocking it's not a good thing to do everyone knows you don't attack the race leader when he's on the ground we had Bennett after the race saying what movie star done today just wasn't right uh Dimension Data tweeted, that's movie star off our Christmas uh, gift card list. It didn't go down well in the peloton. Now, they stopped riding when Valverde went up and it looked like Valverde called it and said, okay, stop riding, let Lopez get back in, let Roglic get back in. We'll call a cease for it proceedings. So Wiggins, I'm actually with Wiggins on this one. I think that movie star, they'd set out at the start of the day to execute a plan. Their plan was they were going to ride in the crosswinds just out of that town. It was coming to a crosswind section. All the movie star guys are near the front and they were planning to ride in that crosswind section. They rode as soon as they get out of the crosswind section. Like It's not always easy to know what's going on behind if there's a crash like that. A big crash, you don't know who's up, who's down. You don't derail your plan and wonder about who's in the crash. You look back, you hear on the radio that your guys aren't in the crash. Your team DS says go, you go. And then you can unpack it as you get down the road. You can go, okay, so-and-so's in the crash, so-and-so isn't in the crash. And that's exactly what I think happened. They rode on, then they got Ward. Look, Roglic is down, Lopez is down, they're chasing, and Valverde cut it out. Now, they did make them chase for quite a while, and I think that's why like we had uh, Omar Fraley of Astana coming up to Valverde and looked like quite a heated chat, and he gave him a bit of a snot rocket in his direction as well after it regrouped. Uh, but for me, Valverde showed a lot of class. He had a lot to benefit from telling the guys to keep riding. There was a minute gap between Valverde, Quintana, Pogacar, these guys, and Roglic and uh, Roglic and Lopez. Still 65k to go, but a lot of firepower up front, some firepower behind. The gap could have went out. Valverde could have won the Vuelta today, but a rider like Valverde in the World Champs bands with his decorated Palmeiras, it's not the circumstances he wants to win the Vuelta in. So Valverde calls a ceasefire to it. I think he should be applauded for that rather than armchair critics. It's probably some, you know, some fat numpty working in the PR department for Dimension Data is after tweeting that it's unlikely one of the riders. So uh, I think it's fair game and I think they've done the right thing. Controversial, I know probably a lot of people, especially the cycling purists, won't agree with that one. But there you go. No sitting on the fence on this podcast. So we had opened the break, uh, we had Cavagna quick step and he struck out for glory at about 25k to go. It looked quite suicidal at the time with the crosswinds and the general undulating terrain on the way in. And especially that kind of 2k tough cobbled finish which kind of looped back on itself up to the finish. Uh, Bora were taking it up behind, CCC contributed to the chase, Dimension Data threw a man into the chase for Edval Boxenhagen. But Cavagna hung on, super, super strong. And, you know, the Wolfpack Quickstep have been so, so strong for this welter. So Cavagna hung on for the Quickstep's fourth win, considering they didn't come in, their classics team, and they didn't come into this Grand Tour with really massively high hopes. They're going super, super strong. They'd, uh, yeah, Cavagna, the two Gilbert wins. So it's amazing. Cavagna, you might remember him from winning the stage in Tour of California this year, and he is a super strong time trial style roller. But it's his first Grand Tour stage win, so delighted for the French lad. Uh, Bennett proving just what a versatile sprinter he is coming in in second. Uh, and then to talk about the Wolfpack, uh, Steve Artaud and Gilbert Fort. So super, super strong from Quickstep. They're really having an amazing, amazing uh, tour. So 
yeah, that was a it was an interesting stage. It was a very interesting stage. Uh, before I go on any further and talk about how interesting that stage was, let me talk a little bit about ClickFunnels, our show sponsor. And I know a few of you guys are messaging me to say you tried it out and you're really enjoying it. And it's just such a versatile product, whether you're you know you're looking for something new. Uh, product for to manage your email sequencing because I used to spend so much time sending out emails and replying to emails and you can set up just automated campaigns and sequences and it's brilliant for that or building websites it's all around it's class you the guys who have taken up the 14 day free trial that they've offered to our members they know what I'm talking about a uh, few messages from guys on Instagram and a couple of emails that you guys are enjoying a lot so if you're sitting on the fence go and check it out and I'll put the link in the description show notes whatever you want to call them down below for your 14 day free trial it's legit uh, Bennett was talking about he didn't know exactly what type of legs he had today uh, he said it's hard to know during those long stage but obviously it turned out he had super good legs but Bennett again like what is going on with Borda Hansgrove and the radios they're using this seems to be a problem that they're having day after day Bennett's obviously sprinted as if he's going for the win, but the day he won last week, he didn't think he'd actually won, so he was afraid to celebrate. And today, he actually thought he'd won. He said he thought they'd caught the entire break because his radio was broken. He didn't know until he turned the last corner and he seen Cavania, so he thought he was sprinting for the win. Not that it would have changed his game plan too much. He still stamped his authority on it. But, yeah, pretty ridiculous that they can't get their, uh, can't get their radio game sorted. But also, like, you know... Sam has been racing in Ireland, in Belgium, for a long time without radios. Now, I know the Vuelta Peloton's a little more chaotic, but we they've been a lot of debate in recent years about a radio ban, and this criticism of radios is that riders stop thinking for themselves and they become robots. You know, is Sam becoming a little bit of a victim of that, becoming a robot and not thinking for himself? Like, you need to, he needs to be looking around and he needs to be questioning who's up the road and... You know, teammates have a better perspective. I'm sure they can give him a hint as they're peeling off. Like, it's, you know, it's a problem that, you know, look, it didn't affect him too much because he's sprinting as if he's going for the win anyway. So it's, in some ways, uh, it's a good exercise for him to close it out. And maybe if he knew it was second, he wouldn't sprint as hard. But where it becomes a problem is if there's four guys up the road and then he's taking big risks to sprint for fifth because fifth in a Vuelta stage with the results Bennett's had in the past 12 months is just not a great result for him. So he'll take more risk for to win than he will for a fifth place. So, yeah, look, having more information is not going to be a bad thing. So um, we're heading into cyclocross season. We've only two days left in this Vuelta, then we've the Worlds, but we are heading into cyclocross season, and we're starting to feel that little bit of a cyclocross itch. Uh, we launched a cyclocross masterclass with the ex-national champion, uh, current provincial champion here in Ireland. Paul O'Reilly so I sat down and I talked with Paul about some of the key things that make cyclocross riders fast so how do we maintain speed as we're jumping off the bike for a dismount how do we hold the bike for the shoulder so it allows us to carry that speed from the run and transition it straight into the bike for the remount because we don't want to be going from you know 35k an hour getting off the bike back to zero and then starting to run we want to carry as much of that speed as we can and he talks to us about some cool strategies for that and also carrying speed through corners, which is something a lot of people don't get right in cyclocross and it really separates the winners and the losers. So we've put together a really cool masterclass 
on Cyclocross and it's free for everybody on the podcast. So I am going to pop a link down below in the show notes and you can check that out. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's it's pretty deep dive into some of that uh, technique that's so essential for cross. I think anyone who's a newbie or you're advanced, you're going to get a lot out of that. Okay, tomorrow, it's D-Day. It's Roglic. Does he have a date with Destiny? Uh, we are going to see fireworks tomorrow. Riders are fatigued. They're fatigued from the chase and the crosswind today. They're fatigued from that super fast day a couple of days ago, the mountains day yesterday. Tomorrow we've got 190 kilometers with five climbs, two cat ones and two cat trees, and then we have a kick up to the finish. Uh, so a summit finish again tomorrow. Roglic, I find it hard to see him losing the jersey tomorrow. But there definitely will be fireworks. Lopez is going to be going on the sack. Pogacar is going to be going on the sack to get that jersey back. And Valverde and Quintana, they're definitely they're definitely going to give Roglic a test. Roglic's team has weakened day after day. Most of them hit the deck today. Tony Martin's out. George Bennett hit the deck today. Sepp Goose hit the deck today. They've been key lieutenants for Roglic in the mountains. He's already been exposed a couple of times. You know, I think if this race went on for another week, Roglic cracks and he loses the jersey. But can he hang on one more day? It's going to be epic. I can't wait for it. So until then, ride safe and enjoy your weekend ride. And I'll be back tomorrow evening to chat to you guys.